On today's episode, we're talking all things runner's knee with the boys from That's Running Podcast. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, and smarter runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am the guy to reach out to when you finally decided enough is enough with your persistent running injuries. I'm a physiotherapist, the owner of the Breakthrough Running Clinic, and your podcast host. I'm excited to bring you today's lesson and to add to your ever-growing running knowledge. Let's work together to overcome your running injuries, getting you to that starting line and finishing strong. So let's take it away. So we have the boys from That's Running and so we've got Pat and Mike and Brody from the uh, Run Smarter podcast and we thought we'd just come together, collaborate and kind of have a bit of a mastermind session about patellofemoral pain. So welcome boys. Thanks mate. Thank you for having us. Yeah, sweet. Uh, Thanks for reaching out and getting us on. Yeah, Yeah, no problem. So we came up with the idea to talk about uh, patellofemoral pain and you guys published this episode on your podcast i'll do the same with mine and just spread the wisdom share the knowledge um so i'm really excited to talk about today what where should we start oh, oh where should uh, we start uh, I, I, I i'll tell you what i want to start is the name of your podcast which i quite like it's called run smarter <laughs> yeah it's very good i um spent a bit of time coming up with it we spent hours coming up with that's running and then yeah i, I ended up I was never really that happy with it, but we couldn't find anything else, so we just rolled with it. Oh, it works. I like the, um, the logo that you guys have put with the, the shape of the shoe. That was really nice. How did you guys do that? How did you do that? Um, I have a background in graphic design, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll chuck something together. Oh, nice. Do a running shoe. It's called That's Running, yeah, done. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of funny that your podcast is called Run Smarter because the whole reason Mike and I do a podcast is because runners are dumb. And yeah. it's a recurring thing in everything we talk about is <laughs> yeah. if you be less dumb, you'll, like, you'll have a better time. So it's quite cool to, um, to chat with someone who has a podcast called Run Smarter. Like, I love that. I feel exactly the same. And I know like sometimes you can't blame them because they just don't know these things. And it's, um, it's either, well, some of them do know it, but there's, there's two camps. There's the ones who choose to ignore the smarter decisions because they just yeah. want to run fast. They want to run far and they just don't see the, the repercussions. But then you have the other ones who are none the wiser and they go onto Facebook groups and they just Google uh, whatever questions they have and they either get a lot of misinformation or um, they just can't find the answers that they're looking for. And so exactly. it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like um, bridging the gap between like, you know, when you go to a physio, who's well-read and like really um, proficient with seeing runners and they educate them. How do you get that, like that really wise education without seeing a physio? And there's not a really a lot of avenues that people can choose to take. And you see people on Facebook groups, they they post a question and the, the the general population that gives them answers is like so off the mark. And so it's just like bridging the gap really. Sometimes I, I, I um, go on like rants and I just go on all the Facebook groups and reply to like all the questions with like what is good and right. But then I realize it's just like banging your head against the wall. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've sometimes I'm like, oh, I really want to say something, but I can't be fucked. <laughs> like, it's just, 
Like there's so many people just giving misinformation and then there's my voice going, hey guys, maybe none of that is right and you should look into this. And then it just gets ignored. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But it's tough. Generally the stuff, the stuff that works is the, is the less sexy advice. Yeah. So maybe you should actually just run less and, I don't know, do some squats. And that yeah. people don't want to hear. Right. People want to hear, you buy these new hawkers and then <laughs> you do this and you take these electrolytes and then you'll be sweet. Yeah. yeah more salt <laughs> you choose and you'll be sweet. <laughs> It get the waters get pretty murky when there's money involved and advertisement and you know those sort of flashy ads. Mm. Yeah, and everyone's got like everyone has their own agenda, mm. and that's why we just try and be as transparent as we can. And yeah. a lot of I've come to realise don't make money through podcasting, so we're not we're not doing this for any other reason other than to like just throw some good news out there. Yeah. Like, yeah, better information, I suppose. Yeah. I should probably mention for uh, my audience as well that you guys did a, a day course about running and uh, increasing education and becoming wiser. So how'd that go? Yeah, it was really good, actually. We, yeah. um, we, we had, what, 20 people to our house? So 20 cane beans and we talked about – we probably crammed too much into one day, but we tried to talk about um, injury – reduction strategies essentially so mm. a lot of stre- uh, strength work training strategies load monitoring um, a bit on footwear a bit on running technique a bit on all the things that sort of contribute to to like i guess an increase in injuries and decrease in performance yeah. so like it was good i think we yeah. went through all that we went like four and a half hours of like good fun and it's good to have like, normally we just talk monologue at people and hope they listen when now you can actually have a discussion and people ask questions and go oh what about this what i do this what do you think of that yeah. And that's quite nice to have that. It's very interactive, which I appreciate. Yeah. yeah, cool. And it's one of the reasons why I reached out to you guys because listening to some of your previous episodes, a lot of the information that you're um, putting forth is, is really on the mark with where the research is now and what um, like all the gurus are saying. And we seem to be on the same wavelength in terms of the information that we're delivering and how we're delivering it. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to bring this mastermind together and have a chat. So it'll be what, what, actually on the, the course that Mike and I did the other day. One of the guys had a really interesting question. He said, Pat and Mike, do you, is there anything you disagree on? And we kind of looked at each other and went, like, oh, not, not really. I'm going to disagree on anything. And I think because a lot of what we do is based on, you know, recent firm science and yeah. um, current best practice. So there's nothing we really disagree on in that sense. Um, there are small finicky things, you know, with like, you know, mindset and running and maybe how you schedule your training with yeah you. but that's more personal preference than disagreeing yeah i was just about to say that you're absolutely right it's good it's good that that's where your head's at as well so i want to hear what you have to say about knee pain because um, it'll be i know what i think but i want to hear what you yeah kind of absolutely. say about it so um like uh, runner's knee right which is like officially is like patellofemoral pain i suppose is that what you call it yeah i like to officially called patellofemoral pain, but it's very much a, the umbrella term. I was trying to like look at a good definition um, because there's a, um, the topic of like chondromyelitia that gets thrown around there and they kind of say that's runner's knee as well. And I'm kind of like, well, I've got patellofemoral pain, we've got that and runner's knee and it kind of like just becomes this whole umbrella term. But mm-hmm. yeah. when it comes to discussing or like if I've got a client in front of me and I try and describe 
patellofemoral pain. Um, I used to, when I was first out of uni, use a lot of like maltracking, weakness, tightness, pulling across and doesn't sit in its groove properly. Oh, dude, so, I just oh. want to end this conversation right now and hang up on you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, well, that's sort of how I was taught. And yeah. it's well, now it's just more like really de-threatening language. And now we know it's not a lot of mal like tracking all that sort of stuff, it's just overload of the patellofemoral joint. And if you just describe to people, okay, this is your patellofemoral joint, this is how um, the kneecap moves, we've just overloaded it with, well, it's usually some sort of silly training error. And once we build up the structure and build up the capacity, we can slowly get back to where you were. And um, yeah, I tend to make it a bit more empowering language and something that they can understand and they're not like totally in fear of, oh, no, now my kneecap is falling exactly. out or, you know, whatever they want. Yeah, it, and that's, it. that's so true. Like if you – and the, the words that you use are so profound. So there's, yeah, there's such a huge difference between saying the groove in, you know, the end of your femur is too shallow, therefore your kneecap – doesn't sit correctly in that groove, therefore it's going to be maltracking, therefore you have knee pain. Like that, but yeah, as a patient, you're there like, oh, fuck, like, how do I fix that? That's, I'm just stuffed now. I that sounds get, horrible. I'd better get orthotics. It's like I, you can't fix a groove in your, yeah. like, in your bone. So what do you do? Yeah. You stop running or you forever tape it. Exactly, keep strapping tape. So it's, it's way better to say, yeah, you're, you've got a sore knee. So like literally I... I, I You've got to kind of pick the person that you're talking with, right? For some people, I'm like, sweet, your diagnosis is temporary sore knee. Like, that's your diagnosis. For some people, I'll <laughs> I go like it. But if you have a temporary sore knee, you can fix that and then you can become pain free fairly, fairly soon. But if you've got a maltracking kneecap and your groove is too shallow and all this, that's tight, that's weak, that, whatever, it's like, fuck, this is going to hurt for a long time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because then it's like, well, what can I do about it? And then that's where people get into, oh, you just need to foam roll your ITB or you just need to do these VMO strengthening. And that's where you start to fall down this like really mismanaged, uh, ineffective treatment plan. And, yeah, and that uh, is the, that's the difference between someone who's up to date with the latest kind of running research and someone who went through uni 10 years ago yeah. and just continues to practice what they took on at uni. And that's the thing, because I think that first thing you described on Brody is what a lot of people have done for many, many years and a lot of people are still doing. They're still giving that same description of, oh, it's maltracking, it grows to shadow, and then comes the VMO rolling and the quad rolling and the VMO strengthening and the ITP shit. And I find, like, us, us as health professionals, we have a responsibility to be more informed than the general public. Yes. Absolutely. I think a lot of people get this like ingrained diagnosis as well with Google and talking to mates and things because I will in the, like in a session, I'd do all this de-threatening language and talk to what we just talked about then. And then at the end of the session, I'm like, Oh, so did all that makes sense. And some of them will recap and be like, yeah. So what you're saying is my kneecap is not sitting right and smell tracking. And I'm just like, Oh no, what have I done? And I think it's they they just do their own research and then it's just ingrained in their mind and they don't want to um, deviate from that narrative. Mm. We're changing that Brody. That's why we're chatting today. Yeah. We're changing it, man. 
So you guys um, are on the same page in terms of how you describe it. Do you like to tweak it any other different way? Uh, I just just say, oh, like a bit of an irritated knee. Yeah, you've overloaded a bit. It's a bit irritated. Let's calm it down. Let's back off on the load. Let's get you running again. Cool. That what are some of the common uh, either um, training errors or causes that you guys see um, people with patellofemoral pain? Being done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one by one cause. So Mike, Mike, Mike puts this really well. He often, he often says, oh, cool, you, you ran 10K and you got knee pain. So let's just try running 10K again and see if you get knee pain again. Like, oh, okay, I got knee pain. Well, let's just try running 10K again and see if it hurts again. <laughs> when you say it like that, it's so dumb. But that's the way a lot of runners' brains kind of operate. They're like, oh, it was sore yesterday. I'll just try it again. Like that kind of yeah. doesn't really make sense. Then, you know, then there's the classical, like we just went from 25 kilometers per week to 60 kilometers per week. Um, like that is just classic. Uh, I usually, it's, there's always, I mean, everyone is so different. Every individual has their own reason why they get knee pain, whether it's just like poor movement patterns or like a poor running technique or whatever it might be. And then you double your running load. Oh, you got no chance. Do you see many people, like, how would someone know if they have these poor movement patterns? Well, that's, it's hard to self kind of diagnose that sort of stuff. It's because a lot of people don't really know how they move in the first place. Um, and that's, that's tricky. And that's quite a lot of what, like, I do face-to-face is, mm. is identifying what sort of movement puts the majority of the load through the knee joint. And essentially, you can just, you can, by the way you move, you can essentially choose where you put the load. And so some people just with their normal movement patterns, which they've probably done their whole life, they tend to put a little bit more load in their knee or they might put a little bit more load in their Achilles or they might put a little bit more load in their glutes. So it's just working with the person to identify that. It's hard to sit here on a podcast to be like, this is what does it. Yeah. Um, there are some really like generic things like we know, like we know from the research, overstriding, slow cadence and heel strike all put load in the knee joint. Like we know that, but to, for each individual person, it's to a different level. Yeah, and that, that might be fine if you've done that for years and years and you've been running 30Ks a week. And you can tolerate that. And you can tolerate that because you're used to the time. But then with those sort of patterns, you increase to 50Ks a week and suddenly you go, hmm, that's not fun. Yeah. And nothing has really changed. Mm. And it's not necessarily, oh, you have bad technique. It's more you went from your 30k with that movement pattern to 50k and it's just been too much underneath and i shouldn't even say bad technique because there's nah. there's no like i hate that that's and that's that it's, negative it's, language yeah. it's just it's just a technique that tends to put more of the loading that's all it is so if i can attempt to summarize we've got a wide variety of runners and how they're running and there are certain biomechanical uh, angles or positions that might put the knee at a greater load in some people more than others. And whether that be with cadence, overstriding, heel strike, whatever have you, it's not wrong. It's just how they run can put more uh, load through the knee and less through other parts of their body. But then you're combining that with training overload or just load in general. And so some people, if they... Um, have a certain way that they move and then combine that with increasing their mileage, they're more susceptible to sustaining uh, these overload pains. Is that right? 
Yes, very much so. That's well done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need you to just step into our podcast every 10 minutes or so and go, cool, the one minute recap of the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Was. <laughs> I'm trying to break it down for people who don't understand like cadence and understand certain terminologies that we're doing. So um, I think, yeah, just general recaps here and there. So is there anything else we needed to cover with like general causes before we move on to say like symptoms or something? Uh, uh, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> Let's move on to symptoms. I would say yes, like um, <laughs> maybe if someone is having knee pain um, and they're not too sure diagnosis-wise if it is patellofemoral or if it might be something else, is there a certain pattern of symptoms that you guys see commonly that might uh, suspect that it's more patellofemoral pain than something else? Yeah, 100%. Hmm. It's... Um, well, one of the, I suppose, if we're just, if we know someone has like knee pain that's related to running, I would want to know if it's more, say, sore at the start of a run and then tends to warm up and goes away, or if it's more during the run, they're not too bad, but then the next day they're pretty sore. Generally, that's a bit of a giveaway that mm. they have more patellofemoral related overload. It's like a next day thing or six hours later kind of thing. Yeah. Um, if it's during a run, then I might be thinking, is it something else, potentially like a tendon-related thing? Um, and also just the location of the pain too. Normally when someone uh, struggles to put their finger on it, like mm. if they're quite vague, it's, it's sort of around the kneecap, I can't, I can't poke it, yeah. then I'm like, okay, it's probably patellofemoral pain. It's normally like, oh, it hurts sort of at the front and they rub their entire knee. It's like, oh, it's sort of there. And then they sort of go, oh, it's under there and over there. And yeah. it's sort of not actually giving you a spot. Yeah. They are, okay, so general knee pain. Yeah, 100%. And then if it's, if it's a patella tendon issue, you get one finger and you can put it right on the sore bit. If it's like an ITB-related issue, you can get one finger and you can put yeah. it on the sore bit. Whereas it's always very hard to point to. And yeah. generally, if it's more a like knee joint yeah, issue, you'll have that soreness more on the joint line or more sort of back of the knee yeah. or more when you go, it's in the knee. Yeah. But this is more front of the knee, I find with a telephone. Yeah. yeah, so it doesn't feel really deep into the joint but very hard to localise. It's very vague. I often see with clients, yeah, they'll... Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. They'll point to the kneecap, but then like their finger will move around from the bottom of the kneecap to the side, either like to the outside to the inside or over to the top and it kind of just like yeah they kind of just drift that finger all all around the kneecap kind of region and they know themselves that it's hard to really localize that yeah. pain yes definitely and if they can confidently point to the sore bit with one finger it's probably not telephemoral pain. yeah that's just generally what i kind of look yeah yeah um i'll add with like symptoms um the if it gets to a level of irritation, um, like general day-to-day things start to become irritable, whereas some other diagnoses might, um, it might be fine. But if it is getting to that level of irritation, things like stairs, like sit-to-stands, 
Um, even yeah. just sitting for like long periods of time can start flaring it up. And um, mm. this is like the high levels of irritability. Um, have you guys identified any other like activities throughout the day that might stir up the knee? Yeah, walking downstairs, walking downhill. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, when it like a, a, usually a lunge. Yeah. Like if someone has to lunge down to get something out of the bottom shelf of the fridge or lunge down to pick up their dog, for, you know, for instance, that will be slightly uncomfortable and they'll just find themselves like favouring the other knee, mm. um, little things like that. Uh, and then going to the gym and squatting heavy can just be a bit sore. Yeah, I find lunging is generally worse. Yeah. Because generally when they're lunged, like, their knee travels forward more than in a like, standard like, hip-dominant squat. Yes. So when squatting, they go, oh, yeah, it's a bit, hmm. But then when the lunging, they're like, oh, yeah, they're not loving that. Yeah. Absolutely. I think there's um, certain certain movement patterns that will place that knee under more load. And if it is irritated because it's been overloaded, like you said, going downstairs or doing a squat where your knees travel more forward just puts more and more load through that joint itself and therefore more pain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Um, So if someone's listening and they're like, oh my God, this is me, what's our first line of defense? What can we do for treatment? We've got to, well, if you're going to treat something, you've got to know the factors that you're treating. So for me, I always, with each individual, try and work out what the main reason they're having their pain is. And then, you know, that's different for everyone. It can be uh, the way you run. It might be your, like, running technique. It might be a really knee-dominant runner in which case the first thing to try and play around with is your running technique it might be the fact that you've just gone from 30 kilometers per week to 60 kilometers per week in which case your first line of treatment is decrease that Mm. or it might be because uh, uh, you know for whatever reason you're just really like tight like really just tight and stiff through the glutes through the quads whatever and like some um, some manual therapy or a session with a massage therapist or a foam roller can kind of free you up a little and ease it off a bit so it's I always, well, the way I've started to approach these is, cool, we know what the diagnosis is. Let's, let's pick up the main one or two factors for you and work on them today. Um, yeah, I've seen people who, who can't squat because their knees are so sore. And they're the people who are like, cool, I'm just going to rub you for 30 minutes. And they feel a million bucks. Yeah. There's the people who are still running 40Ks a week and they're like, oh, my knee's a bit sore. And it might be a technique issue for them. So once you identify that, then you go into it. Yeah, like why I always try to just think of like, look at the things that we know irritate it and reduce that. Yeah. Like if running irritates, we need to make, okay, let's back off and running for a bit to settle it. Yeah. And then in- investigate it into what Patty just said, like what's causing it exactly? What can we do to, like, do we need to change a thing in technique or do we need to work on some strength or do we need to just decrease load a bit? Mm. Or if, because like, it's not only runners that get this, it can be just people that are in the gym five, six days a week and do yes. a lot of squatting and lunging. Mm. And if lunging really bloody hurts, do less lunging. Mm. Just back off on irritating the joint. Yeah. Good point. Ready? I think, um, I think there's a, because everyone's totally individual with how they got it in the first place, but then their normal training load during the week because there's so many different factors. It could be even, um, they haven't changed any of their running, but they ran and then did a gym session or did the gardening or um, the combination of that in the same day. So you're not going to 
have the most effective treatment mm. unless you identify those causes. And so I think the, what we're getting to is that there's not one answer, but a good starting point is identifying the correct um, factors, the aggravating factors and what caused it in the first place. And physio doesn't need to be fancy. If you are, like you were saying, Mike, if they, you've got those people who are just running high mileage and then they're starting to get a bit of knee pain, just looking at their training load the last two weeks and said, oh, you've done three runs like in three consecutive days. Have you done that before? Oh, no, that was just something new because my work schedule has changed. Okay, it might just be as simple as let's give you a day or two off, give the joint time to settle down and then let's not run three consecutive days and see how it feels. It could just be as simple as that. Three consecutive days. It's funny. it's funny how when you say it like that, it's like it's like the most obvious thing in the world. But for a lot of people with knee pain, it's like kind of like a hard pill to swallow. But if you're sitting here listening to it and you don't have knee pain, you're like, of course, like it makes sense. It's, it's really interesting until you're in that situation. You're like, oh, but <laughs> like well, I t- what I tend to do as well is just um, grab that and go through their Garmin or Strava and go, cool, let's have a look at your last two weeks and show them the numbers and go, oh, you've gone from here to here or you've gone from running two days a week to five days a week. Yeah, maybe that might have done it. And they go, oh, yeah, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but they, they can see there's something there. They can look at it and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I've gone from 30 to 50K yeah. or I've gone from running Monday, Wednesday, Saturday to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Sure. And have you guys? No problem is. Have you done any work around taping or stretches, anything like that? Taping, yes. Some people really get like instant relief mm. from taping. Usually, I I will try taping on someone if they have soreness with one of those day to day movements. Like if they squat or they lunge and they go, yeah, that was pretty sore. Just tape them straight away. It takes thirty seconds. And that can give decent relief. Um, otherwise, there's always um, some like self-release work or foam roller work that you do um, on the outside of the quads and the glutes, and that can also give like pretty reasonable relief too. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've and I think for time. those, it's... sorry, mate. Go on. You go. You go. You go. You go. <laughs> Uh, um, I was going to say I've had patellofemoral pain in the past and I still get it here and there if I um, start increasing my mileage. But what I've found really works for me is just doing some quad stretches and I do it like not a lot, maybe just 30 second holds and I do that before and after and it makes me feel a lot better throughout the day. So um, everyone is different. Everyone does get pain for like slightly different reasons. And I agree with you, Pat. There's sometimes a presentation in the clinic where you get them to do a step down and they they have like um, severe pain, but then you just either reposition the, the patella or tape it in a certain um, position and they just feel so much better. And it's a really good um, pain relieving treatment to implement just while they're building back up their mileage and building up their tolerance to load. And yeah, it can be really good for the short term. Exactly. And there are some people who have knee pain, you, you strap their knee up and it makes no change. So yeah. don't, don't bother. There's yeah. always a little bit of kind of tinkering that you need to do. So like if, like, I guess the main reason for this question is if you're at home and you're like, yes, this is me, I'm that runner. Cool. You can try strapping it here and there. You can try doing some foam rolling, usually on your quads and if not through the side of your glutes. And if that 
is the thing that gives you decent relief, then cool, do that heaps yeah. for the next couple of weeks until your knee gets better. <laughs> well, while you do all the other while, yeah. whilst you do load management and like, strength. Like, and just if you're that runner at home that goes, that's me, have a think about why that could be you. And just try to identify what you've done or what you've changed or what's different. And then go from there. Yeah. That sounds wise. <laughs> um, if what well, looking at like the systematic reviews of patellofemoral pain, there it pretty much talks what we're talking about here. Yes, it works sometimes. Taping, stretching can be um, good. Soft tissue release can be good. But what's generic and um, what everyone tends to agree on is strengthening and building up the load tolerance for that joint to tolerate the load that is required for running or gym or gardening, whatever the population you want to work with. Um, so do you guys have any really good starting exercises for someone who is like really irritated, but um, let's just say they're at a point where they're not running yet, it's too sore to run a starting point for them? Ooh, still there, Brody. I think I may have just lost you with the did you hear my really long-winded question? No. Oh, there you go. Sorry, I just lost you for like 10 seconds, Brody. Can you say that again? <laughs> I, I, I went with a really long-winded question and um, kind of lost my train of thought. There's, I was talking about strengthening. <laughs> and, train of thought, I lost you. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, we'll talk about strengthening and how it's like a general consensus around like the research and yeah. the evidence, how important strengthening is. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you guys have a, a go-to strengthening exercise you'd like to start with with someone who is a little bit irritated and is too severe to start running yes i do uh if they can tolerate squats everyone gets a squat if they can't tolerate squats because that hurts the knee joint always some like lateral hip muscle strengthening so something on one leg where you're not moving the knee too much but you're getting some good just what we call glute strength happening on the side so Something I call a, a lateral toe tap is like gold for these mm. sorts of people, for sure. Because we know that the stronger your glutes are, essentially the more load you can tolerate through your knee joint. Can you describe a lateral toe tap um, for people? Oh, with pleasure. So you're standing <laughs> on two legs and you've got a, like a looped theraband around your knees, just above your kneecaps. And what you do is you stand on one leg, but with your bum stuck out behind you. So in what we'd call a hip dominant position. So once you're there standing on one leg, you, with the leg that's in the air, you just go out to the side and you just tap the ground and you bring your foot back in and you tap close to your body. And then you tap out to the side and then you tap close to your body. So you're just tapping out on one side with your foot, not pressing into the ground with that leg whilst you keep all your body weight on the leg that you're standing on, essentially. And so that band around your legs should put quite a bit of load through your hips as you're doing this. And you should feel a nice, really nice burn through your glute muscles mm-hmm. as long as you put that leg in the right position. So you've got to be standing in a, like a, a hip dominant position, so sticking your butt behind you. If you're not, you just won't feel it. Yeah. Like I always try to add two things to that and go, when you tap out and tap in, try to tap softly like there's a baby chicken, try not to crush it. <laughs> um, and then you want to, the, the standing leg, you want to really control. So don't let that knee sort of cave in and because like, you're putting pressure on that in a medial way. Yep. You really want to keep that 
controlled and strong and stable. Yes. Because that's the key of the exercise. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if you get yourself in the right position, it, it will like burn your glutes within five or six reps. It's yeah. really fantastic. Good point. And I think it's a good starting point if they are too irritated to move that knee because when we talk about the uh, strengthening evidence, it's not just the knee joint itself. We actually are working that whole kinetic chain. So it's a very, very good start to at least be proactive doing something and strengthening the glutes, allowing the whole connect chain to start building while that knee is calming down. And then as it calms down, you can start incorporating some squats or um, just like wall sits that you're not going through movement. You're just holding that position and strengthening the load through there. Um, any other nifty exercise you'd like to implement once they are a bit uh, down the track with their rehab? Like I really like, like after a bit down the track and it can tolerate a bit more movement, like a single leg deadlift. Oh yeah. It's really nice. Um, again, you're more hip dominant there. Not too much. Like it's more a Romanian deadlift than a, like a conventional deadlift. And just again, strengthening the hip, really having to plant that foot and stabilize that knee. Yeah. So we're incorporating multiple joints now. We're doing knee and hip and I guess it will get to a point where we're still doing strengthening, but then we start slowly implementing some running and see what they can tolerate and just playing with the numbers a little bit that way um, until they are, um, I guess, back to the same level that they want to be at. Would do you guys do anything uh, as a warm up? Pardon? You do. What's your couple of one or two go-to strength yeah. things? Um, like in the initial stages, I usually like the wall sits. Um, I think they're quite nice. If we're doing, let's just say if it's a um, someone who's really irritated, I like to work on their step up, step downs, like a single leg step down and working on a bit of control, yeah. a bit of hip control, um, and then adding in a, a TheraBand. It's quite similar to what you guys are talking about. Say like a TheraBand around the knees, applying tension there while they're, slowly stepping down the step um, and then just depending on what they need to get back to. I do like um, the single leg deadlifts with like a kettlebell on the opposite hand to it. progress people is usually really nice. Um, I really like crab walks if they are not tolerating going through knee flexion extension and they want to start incorporating yeah. a little bit more um, lateral like glute strength. Um, I, I almost give crab walks to everyone. It's like one of my favorite go-tos. Um, I think that's it. I think like that would be enough. And if they're getting into the single leg deadlifts and they're getting into their squats and then maybe single leg squats, um, they're more than capable of returning to running. And if that's still flaring them up, then probably doing some plyometrics, doing some skipping, hopping, like plyo lunges or something um, before making that general, like just really slow transition back to running. Agreed. Anything you guys want to add? Hopping, whatever it might be, you're pretty close to getting back to running anyhow. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, anything that they should be avoiding when they are into their rehab and slowly getting back into running, any like mistakes people make, anything you can, you guys can think about? Um, yeah. Don't blame your shoes. Don't blame your shoes. Good one. <laughs> People go, oh, I got knee, knee pain, I'm just going to buy new shoes, I'll fix it. I'm like, mate, no, you just got no shoes, which is great. 
nothing wrong with that, but I don't want to fix your knee pain. That's when they're listening to Facebook groups and listening to just the general population. I think that's one of the answers that would come up. Absolutely. I think hills, um, hills we know will be a bit more aggravating on on an irritable knee, especially downhills. So uh, I would just be avoiding hills and stairs um, really when you're getting back into running. The flatter, the better. And generally, like, speed work is okay uh, on a on patellofemoral pain. It's just um, hilly stuff is probably the main thing to avoid. Yeah. It's interesting you talk about that because usually when people increase speed, they're transitioning more to that forefoot running, which yeah. decreases load on the knee and then just increases load through the foot, calf, ankle, all that. Um, so it's a good point that you make. Yeah. I, I Often... If we're talking earlier in the rehab, one of the big uh, things that people should be avoiding and the mistakes that they make is just complete rest and just mm. say, oh, I'll just have a week off and then see how I feel next week. I'll just, t- I'll still irritate. I'll just take two weeks off and then see how things feel. Um, they get into real trouble there with trying to return back and it's just the structures just getting weaker and more and more irritated with lower loads and then they find themselves in a really tricky position. They have to really um, climb their way back up with some really low, slow um, progressions through their strengthening. And the other thing I would say for a runner, if we're talking about making smarter decisions, it seems quite simple on paper, but just don't run through patellofemoral pain. Um, and a lot of runners will be like, oh, it's starting to come on at, say, the 5K mark, but I just want to see how it would go with it. As soon as you're starting to notice symptoms, definitely start backing off and because it's going to start causing yeah. more irritation. The only time I'm okay with having a complete stop in load is for like maybe two days. You can like completely rest for a couple of days and generally speaking, that allows things to settle and breathe for a little bit. But if you're stopping for more than like four or five days, then that's where I start to get an issue because everything else starts to get a little bit weaker, a bit more deconditioned, and then you have to go into this rebuilding phase. But I would say don't be afraid to just literally completely stop for like just a couple of days because that is quite often super beneficial. Don't stop for two weeks because then you're starved. Yeah, yeah. good. So, um, Pat, I'm a, I'm a client who's had knee pain for three weeks and I'm getting pain um, now going up and down stairs. Um, how long till I get better? Go to a different physio because if you've been treated for three weeks and you're getting pain going up, there's something wrong. Um, so you will probably never get better. You should come and see me or Brody. <laughs> All right. Good role play there. I like that. <laughs> uh, you can't put a time frame on patellofemoral pain. If you, usually if you've had it for like a week, Man, you just you'll be sweet in a couple of weeks. Like we'll be able to treat the factors pretty quick, yeah. calm it down, you'll be all right. If you've had knee pain for four years, then like, okay, this will be something this will be like a journey that we go on. You have to work through it for a, a little while, really look into all the factors that could be at play. So yeah, man, hard to say. How long is a piece of string? How long is a piece of string? Not sure. <laughs> I have I've written down here some like if we needed to do any gate retraining considerations or talk about if someone needs to change their running style. Um, anything you guys want to comment? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, with gait retraining, we know we're not reducing overall risk and what we are doing is just changing where the load goes in your body. So the cool thing about this is, is if everyone 
looks at their knee and goes about four or five centimetres lower down. So we're talking right at the top of your calves. Put your hands there and ask yourself, do you want all the load to go below that line or do you want all the load to go above that line? So essentially you can put all the load in your knee upwards or basically in your calf and down from there. So to do that, we know increasing cadence will move the load lower. We know that going from a heel strike to a four foot strike will move the load lower. Uh, There's one other thing I was gonna say, but I've just forgot it. Essentially, you can move the load up and down and uh, it's nice to know how to do that, when to do that. Uh, cadence, this is the number one mm. foot, foot strike, like four foot heel strike would be the other. Shoes can influence it, but they're not that key. I reckon cadence is the easiest one for people at home. Oh, yeah. You can measure it yourself. You can implement that yourself. Yeah, yeah I think there'd be a lot of runners who will benefit a lot from that, um, but it also depend on how low their cadence is to start with. So if they're already in like within a healthy range, say between um, 170 and 180, um, it's probably less of a priority. If they're below 165, 160, then it could be a huge game changer for people. Even just, I, I guess maybe just increasing 10% would, um, well, has been shown to reduce knee loads. Um, and yeah, I agree with you, Mike. It's probably the simplest thing to implement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the thing to say there is you don't want to increase it too much. Yeah. Um, because like if you're at one, let's say you're at 160 at the moment and you're bumping up to 180, you'll probably just run a lot faster. Yes. Um, plus, it'll just destroy your aerobically. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't maintain that. Yeah. You have much higher metabolic demand yeah. if you increase your cadence by more than 10%. So to feel better on your knee, but you won't be able to sustain that. And the biggest and the most important thing there is if you're going to increase your cadence, you want to not increase your speed because as your speed increases, your cadence will become quicker. Yep. So if you normally run at, let's say, a six-minute pace, you want to still run at six-minute pace and not just run at five-minute pace and go, oh, I've increased my cadence. No, you're just running faster. Yeah. Yeah. Because the change, you want to change for your longer runs where you are running at your normal pace. Exactly. Yeah, good point. Um, I think treadmills can be quite nice in that sense just for uh, training purposes because the, the belt of the treadmill stays the same and you can um, just work out your cadence there. And I guess with, yeah, if you're outside and you're not like constantly just looking at your pace the entire time, some people might not be aware that they're slowly speeding up. Um, but yeah, it's a good one. I was going to talk to, if we're talking about gate retraining, um, there might be a, a population particularly females with wider hips that uh do have a little bit of a crossover gait and mm. they're sort of contacting their foot across their midline which can put the um patellofemoral joint at a little bit of a um, disadvantage and sometimes just widening their step width a little bit um can be really effective but i guess that's really for a small percentage of those type of runners would you agree with that yeah 100 percent, definitely and something i also have have found that if you have someone and yet yeah, typically it is females with wider hips it just mechanically it puts your legs in a position where they want to have a narrow gait quite often increasing cadence there 
means your gait will be wider because you don't have as much time in front of your body and across your body to land. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it happens automatically, but sometimes it can be, just, I, I sometimes say to people, just like just have a little bit more daylight between your thighs and like, and there you go, they, they feel that difference in their knee. Um, but if you're quite a slender male, probably won't have much of an impact on you unless you're doing something funny in your technique where you are crossing over. Yeah. I often tell some people who are running and their, their knees rub together to stop rubbing their knees together, but they, a lot of times they don't even know. <laughs> and um, yeah. it's really hard unless they have a mirror to actually look at um, widening that um, stance. And if you do widen it, it's very subtle. Yes. Oh, good point. Very good point. I, I often tell people, okay, you need to just slightly widen it and then they go again and they're like hopping side to side and they're just, they've made the biggest adjustment. I'm like, no, no, no. Um, yes. Very good point. Uh, um, yes. And then there's, I guess, if you're talking running retraining, there's like um, heel strike for four foot. And we know that you put less load into the knee joint when you run midfoot or forefoot compared to heel strike. Um, but when you change that around, you massively decrease the load going into knee, but increase the load going into your calves. And from time to time, I have had patients of mine who I've changed that with. They'll say, oh, man, my knee feels so good, but I can't walk because my calves are stuffed. Yeah, And definitely. so you've just got to be mindful of that too. Because you're not, de- you're not decreasing the load overall in your body. You're just moving it. So less load in your knee, which is great, then more in your calves. And if your calves can tolerate that sweet you're all good if your calves if that's new for your calves then you won't be able to walk next day because your calves are tight (laughs) which is funny (laughs) absolutely um anything else we need to cover like when it comes to my dot points here i've um pretty much i think we've covered a lot of things i want to talk about anything you guys have written down just footwear because i know people listening to this will be like Oh, but I reckon it's my shoes. And, and like Mike said, it's, it's not, or it's very rarely shoes are the number one reason, but they do contribute. So the way I kind of look at this is the thicker, more cushioned, more stable, more supportive, the more shoe that you have, the more it feels comfortable to run with a lower cadence, more of an overstride and come down heavier on your heel. But in saying that, you can also run really, really nicely in quite supportive, heavy, cushioned mm. shoe. On the flip side is if you're in more of the minimal sort of shoe, lightweight, flexible, less cushion, it's not very comfortable to overstride with a slow cadence and land down on your heel. It kind of forces you to have like a really nice, sharp, quick, high cadence technique. So footwear for some people is a factor because of the way it influences your running style. Not because the shoe injured you, because the shoe made you run a certain way. So I've noticed this myself. I tend to wear like reasonably lightweight, you know, somewhat minimal shoes. And I, you know, I run in a certain way. And then I, I recently ran in a pair of Asics Nimbus, which are quite heavy, quite stiff, quite cushions. And I felt myself running with a much slower cadence, I felt heavier. I felt more sluggish. And I was running in them going, oh, this is, this is how people run when they get knee pain. So the shoe did influence my technique and I actually felt the load in my knee, which is super interesting. So for some people, you change their shoe and it does really change how they run. 
but for some people their running technique is so ingrained that a change in shoe will do nothing to them so it's it's not about the level of support it gives you it's more about how it influences your whole greater technique yeah and i think when we were summarizing the causes of patellofemoral pain when we're talking about biomechanics and overload and the relationship between the two i think the shoes and the technique can kind of go into that biomechanical um label and when you're talking about footwear yes changing footwear might be might well can be implemented but we're talking the smaller percentages you know that's like a five percent to one percent kind of change in terms of overcoming patellofemoral pain whereas the bigger percentages would be overcoming well identifying your training errors and addressing that and then okay we've addressed that if you're still getting knee pain let's have a look at some considerations with gait retraining and yeah take it from there we don't need to go into the one percenters just yet yeah exactly exactly but it's but i think people see it as a quick fix like if, if i just buy a new shoe will i be sweet and that requires much less effort than analyzing your training errors then doing a bit of strength work and doing gait retraining and running less running less yeah the shoe, shoes are seen as a silver bullet which is it's not true yeah absolutely anything else you have written down pat uh, no 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 just don't be dumb like it's, <laughs> if you have like recent onset knee pain it's usually not that tricky not that complicated to fix so it does frustrate me when I see someone who had you know, a bit of a niggle in their knee and they did not address it and they just ran through it, ran through it, ran through it and then all of a sudden they've had knee pain for three or four months and now it's going to be a little bit harder to fix. Or Actually, I shouldn't say that. It's going to be significantly harder to fix. Whereas if you just, you know, if you had a sore knee for a few days or a week, you take a look back at yourself and see what can I do to address it. I'd say just get onto it early. It's so easy. It's so easy to fix knee pain if you get it in week one or week two. It's so hard if you get it in four months, six months, twelve months. That's yeah. the only thing. I um I often talk about. Well, you've said that, but it's like with every injury as well. I I, I talk about this downward spiral. It's like when am I seeing this person? Because you can make like silly decisions and be misguided of how to manage it. And then they just get so irritated and um, either weak or like they just aren't tolerating or they're tolerating less and less and less. And the further you go down that downward spiral, the harder it is to crawl your way back up and the more patient you need to be and the more things that need to be implemented. But if you catch it really early and you see your physio and you're, you know, you're, just starting that downward spiral it's a lot easier to work your way back up you can say that with almost every injury yeah. oh yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah definitely yeah yeah and if your physio starts to say your patella is not tracking you say thank you very much and you walk out <laughs> <laughs> yes and ask for a refund yeah <laughs> yeah um, but no that's it i reckon we touched on it all man yeah. mm. mike anything to add no, I think I was going to add what you just added. So, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we're all on the same page here. So, um, it is a really good mastermind session. So, I'll probably just recap if there's um, any like causes into patellofemoral pain. It's, you know, stop being dumb, first of all. Um, stop doing the same thing over and over. If there is something that's flaring up the knee, just don't go back to that same thing. You might need to tweak it. Um, I guess we've talked about 
the causes being overload and a bit of biomechanics in the relationship between the two could be or could not be poor movement patterns it could just be overload um symptom wise either next day soreness or um usually just pain around the kneecap hard to localize and then just when it comes to treatments just making sure you're identifying the right aggravating factors addressing those and then if you need to use those one percenters of taping stretching soft tissue release um that's all great but it seems addressing the overload and building up strength to tolerate that to bring on that load or tolerate that load is the best thing for it so um and yeah then we just touched on the gait retraining which don't if there's a crossover gait or your cadence is quite low or if you're overreaching with your heel can be something that may need to be addressed. Um, so yeah, a nice recap there. Thanks guys. It's been good. I think, um, like I said, just combining this mastermind sessions, always good and cross promoting audiences and getting the right wisdom is always a good thing. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on, having a chat. It's quite refreshing to hear, um, someone who thinks the same way. I like it. It's good. Yeah. We should talk to someone that's the opposite way or something. Yeah, we should. That'd be good. Someone just a severe disagree with everything we just said and just see how that goes down. That'd be fun. Yeah. I'll find someone in like a Facebook group and um, I'll send them your <laughs> yes. way. Get them on. <laughs> sweet. <laughs> Stitch them up. Stitch them up. Thanks, Brody, man. It was a good chat. Yeah, um, sweet. So this is Brody and it's the Run Smarter podcast. For everyone listening, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Likewise, you guys. So if you're a part of my group and you guys want to jump across to That's Running, um, you guys are pretty much like on every platform. They just search where they're finding their podcasts. Yeah, there's Spotify and iTunes and I don't know, wherever you get them. Yeah, you guys are on Instagram as well. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, That's Running. (laughs) That's Running. (laughs) Nice. Very smart. Okay, cool. Um, Thanks, guys. Let's finish up there. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Running Smarter Podcast. I hope you can see the impact this content will have on your future running. If you want to continue expanding your knowledge, please subscribe to the podcast and keep listening. If you want to learn quicker, jump into the Facebook group titled Become a Smarter Runner. If you want tailored education and physio rehab, you can personally work with me at breakthroughrunning.physio. Thank you so much once again. And remember, knowledge is power.